The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's a playoff edition. We are into the, I think what some people in Kansas City probably feel like is the real season. Like, I think some of it has just been a buildup to January. Well, Maddie Lane, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. We're here, buddy. Yeah, I'm confused. Everybody's talking like football or something's coming up this weekend. Like, I, I don't understand. It's been a while since I've had to pay attention to football for this particular week of the year. It's kind of strange. I don't. I don't get it, Craig. Can you fill me in on like wh- why people are acting like these football teams are playing this weekend? Yeah, I'm not sure what it is either. I'm looking forward to a nice, relaxing weekend with the family. Not a care in the world because you support the best team in the world. They got the number one seed. They got the bye. Enjoy football this weekend. Your team's not playing in it. They can't lose. They're on to the next round already. No, PFF rated us the ninth most complete team, so you have to take back the best team in the world right now. (laughs) According to our good pals at PFF, who also said that the Bills were the 11th most complete team, which also is just as egregious as the Chiefs being ninth. So, yeah. Well, stress-free football this weekend for all of us, and we get to do a we get to do a little work on the KC draft guide, which mm-hmm. I am grateful for because we need uh we need that a little bit. We gotta get going on that bad boy. Anyways, it is time to answer your questions, and you always bring great questions. Thank you guys all so much. Uh, and uh, we're gonna start with the five star reviews. If you like the show, if you like the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel, leave a five star review. Ask a question, we answer it. Pretty simple. Bingo Lucky did that and asks, uh, hey, guys, give me the starting offensive line for next year. Include include either current roster guys or your personal fantasy picks from the draft. I'm going to go with Eric Fisher. Uh, at left guard, I think it's going to be – I'm going to go with Tevin Jenkins as Woo! the first overall pick for the Chiefs. He's going to play that left guard spot at center. Going to go Landon Dickerson. He's going to play that that center position at 64. That's right. I'm going offensive line, offensive line. LDT is going to play right guard, and then Lucas Niang is going to play right tackle. I think that's a very mean, very dominant, physically 
dominant offensive line and more in the lines of what Andy Reid is going for a little bit more. And two of those are Maddie's my guys there. So I know he's going to be happy with that. Wow. You are predicting a Mitchell Schwartz retirement. I am predicting a Mitchell Schwartz retirement. If I haven't been abundantly clear about that for the past four or five weeks, yes, I am predicting a Mitchell Schwartz retirement. Just glossed over that. I love how Kip brought that to everyone's attention as if it wasn't like what most people, did not most people assume this? You know, it's it's never over till it's over. He's under contract next year. Listen, if he's back and he's healthy, come on back. Like Lucas Niang can can get some reps, get get his real rookie season under his belt, all of that. I'm I'm all for Mitchell Schwartz coming back. I just ex- expect retirement. Bobo 52. If the tight end from Penn State or Miami are available in round 2, would you take them or would you focus on wide receiver, maybe Tylen Wallace or Terrace Marshall? Uh okay, so I Pat, Pat Fryermuth the tight end out of Penn State in, at 64, which is what we're all assuming the Chiefs are picking in the second round because they're going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, I think that would be a really awesome pick that late in the draft. Uh, good blocker, great athlete, soft hands, uh, more than just a linear seam runner. He's got some diversity to him. I think he can block at a functional enough level that you know, you're know you getting the blocking value out of your tight end, too. I think he does create some personnel problems. He creates some matchup problems. He's a very good football player. Him at 64 is the guy I would be looking at. Pitstachio uh, asks, I know you all agree on the need for offensive line, wide receiver, and defensive end early in the draft. Maddie has made a few polls on Twitter, but who are a few upcoming free agents at those positions for us commoners? to keep an eye on during our bias week that could fit Andy and Spag's scheme and could alleviate those draft needs. It's kind of hard this early just because you don't know who's re-signing and everything yet. But my general feeling is once the Chiefs repeat as Super Bowl champions, there won't be a big rush them to go out and spend a lot of money in free agency. I think if they do happen to fall short of repeating as Super Bowl champions, you might get a splash, a singular splash free agency signing or something to help move the needle. But as repeat Super Bowl champions, there won't be a big push to go out and spend extra money when the cap is already tight and going to be a little bit lower next year than what a lot of people anticipated. So I think you're looking for guys that might be a little bit more of a bargain or under the radar. So like I did a poll this week on Twitter about offensive guards. I think John Feliciano from Buffalo, if he's healthy and they let him walk, I actually think that you might be able to get him for not a crazy amount of price or cash. He's a quality player that would fit right in with what the Chiefs have been trying to do with their interior offensive line. Keelan Cole, wide receiver from Jacksonville, if he's not brought back there for whichever quarterback they draft, I think he'd be an awesome under-the-radar signing at wide receiver. While there's a lot of talent at the top end, you might be able to steal somebody like him you know, for a little bit less cash. We'll get a lot more into free agency once that stuff gets shaken out a little bit. I just wouldn't hold your breath for anything, any big or major moves until we know kind of where the Chiefs end this season. All right, Arrowhead Addict asks, uh, with the Chiefs offense lacking their typical dominance really these past two months, as well as some of their explosiveness, how concerned are you guys going into the playoffs? Do you think the Chiefs will be able to turn their offense into high gear for the playoffs? And what needs to change for this to happen? The Chiefs have flexed their muscles several times the last couple months, and they've played fantastic in stretches offensively. It's just a matter of playing 60 minutes of complete football. 
Andy Reid is going to have the A-plus game script through the rest of the playoffs. He's got some stuff that he's going to have cooking. It's just a matter of going and executing at a high level and keeping that energy for 60 minutes. And if they do that, the Kansas City Chiefs are, will not be stopped. They can go on that 51-7 to run or whatever they did against the, the, the Houston Texans. They can go off on some of these teams. Uh, I'm confident that this team with the championship pedigree, with the hashtag tra- championship swagger, will play complete football for the next three games and win a Super Bowl. Their offense, their best, I, I've been saying, I said it earlier this week, the Kansas City Chiefs' best is good enough to win comfortably the next their, their next three games and, and hoist the Lombardi in Tampa in Florida again. All right, apnerdsquad at gmail.com questions. If you don't have Twitter, don't want to leave us a five-star review, uh, Craig, you have something. You're dropping in with something. Yes. I just wanted to address the fact so many people sent us email questions this week. We got about six questions about Byron Pringle playing X. If you go back like three episodes ago, Maddie will talk your ear off about how he thinks Byron Pringle should be your X receiver. We got so many questions about playoff scenarios and who we want to win and what the situation may be. We handled that in the post-game podcast this week. So we just got a ton of questions in the emails specifically about those two things. So we're not answering them because we already have. I don't want anybody to feel left out. Thank you all so much for coming in with great questions. But look back the past couple episodes and you'll get your answers. So we got one from Mr. C. David, our guy, a longtime listener. His question is, what is the biggest takeaway from Week 17 outside of the injuries? that has a meaningful effect on the Chiefs' Super Bowl chances. Is there any? I think the lack of injuries to guys that play significant snaps is the biggest thing. You know, Guys like Mike Dana or Demarcus Robinson, guys that play a lot of snaps throughout the actual games that matter for the Chiefs didn't get hurt. They played a lot of snaps. They didn't get hurt. You know, Juan Thornhill was able to stay healthy when he was out there. So the guys that are going to see reps in game, a lot of reps, significant reps in the games that kind of matter, didn't get hurt. Yes, Willie Gay did get hurt. He had been seeing, you know, his snap count up and down throughout the season. But the Chiefs, I think, aren't a significantly worse team if they are not allowed to play him as long as the other linebackers are healthy. There's not a big gap in what he provides to what they have. And I think that's why his snap count has been so up and down. So you saw all these guys that are going to play for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl if everyone is healthy. None of them got hurt. Like, that's the biggest thing. The team is going to be healthy. The starters are going to be as healthy as they've been all year. Sands, Mitchell, Schwartz. Hopefully Clyde Edwards-Hilaire comes back. But none of those two things happened in Week 17. So they are as healthy as they were at any point in time, you know, going out of that game. And that's all that they needed from it. All right, let's jump to the Twitter questions. And Chandler W78 asks a very important question. Who wins, the 2012 Chiefs or the 2020 JV Chiefs? Okay, here's here's my biggest question, and Kent, I will let you educate here. Do you have to keep the coaching staffs for each team, or does Andy Reid coach both of them? Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. 2012 staff. Okay, uh, the 2020 JV Chiefs. No, I'm kidding. It's still the 2012 Chiefs. I mean, that's still, they're not a good football team, but that's still Jamal Charles. That's still Justin Houston, Tom Baha Lee. You've got a lot, Derek Johnson. You've got a lot of guys that are capable of making terrific 
individual plays. Now, the 2020 JV squad is certainly much better coached. They are going to be much more organized. But man, Jamal running into that secondary against those linebackers, he alone can make some guys miss, put up up some big points on the board. I, I just think that the 2012 Chiefs, in a single-game situation there, might be able to put together enough to beat the 2020 JV squad. All right, Maui Oi. First question, how pumped are you for this playoff? Very. I mean, you're going into the playoffs as a Chiefs fan, as the reigning Super Bowl champions. You've been the best team in the NFL all year. People are trying to slot a bunch of other teams over you for random excuses that they're coming up with. And you've had to deal with some stuff. You know, if you're on Twitter, like we are, or like you guys might be, you and you listen to ESPN, all these people are talking about why the Chiefs are beatable, why they aren't the best team. It's kind of gotten annoying after 17 weeks now. It's now time for the playoffs, the time where, you know, the good teams show up, the real football starts happening. Yeah, we have to wait an extra week, but I mean, oh man, that's the price you pay for being the best team in the NFL. So yeah, I mean, I'm excited to carry that moniker into, as a fan of the Chiefs, to carry that into the playoffs and see what happens once it really matters. When the Chiefs come come out and start waxing their opponents in the playoffs, like, oh, I guess having seven straight victories by one score or less really doesn't matter because they were ready for this part of football that actually matters. You, you've been, like Maddie said, you've been hearing all this time teams trying to tear this team down. It's why Chiefs fans get as defensive as they do about this team. We're still not quite used to being the best team in the world, but we are. And teams are, are you know, media are constantly going to come after you, try and find reasons to take the team down a peg. So they overanalyze every single situation find any reason to slot a team over the other one, try any reason to brush it aside. It's the exact same things happened with the Patriots dynasty when they were winning all those years in a row, when they had those teams that were just consistently this level of good. That's what happens. Teams, uh, you, you just become the flavor of the moment every single week but the Chiefs are the consistent force in the NFL, so I'm really excited. This is when the true season starts. This is when it matters because everybody expected him to be here. Now they expect him to get to the Super Bowl and win the thing. So this is when it really, really, really matters. So yes, absolutely very excited about the playoffs. The entire regular season for me kind of felt like uh, just I'm almost like I'm, I'm waiting for Christmas. You know, like I was a kid waiting for Christmas. Like, the, it was still, like, don't get me, like, don't be wrong, the season's still enjoyable, but you just kind of had this feeling that the Chiefs were in really good shape, that they were just, you know, kind of waiting for now. You know, these games all, like, it's so crazy the standards that have been changed for, for the city, you know, about their football team, which is, it's the best thing ever, you know. Uh, but it's just, it really feels like, this is what it feels like to be, you know, a fan of one of the best teams, if not the best team in the National Football League. This is what it feels like to be the Patriots for the last 20 years, where the regular season doesn't mean all that much to you. It means a lot different things to you. And now it's just, now is the time where the season matters. And there's ridiculous expectations for this football team. You know, year in, year out, it's going to be Super Bowl or bust from here on out for the next 15 years. 
And uh, and because of that, I think it makes the the regular season a little bit less spicy at times. Uh, our guy Ron Cop loved the work you guys did on Spag's historical preferences on the size of his edge players the last draft season. And could the emergence of Mike Dana, coupled with the disappointments of Tano Passanio, change his mind on what he looks for? And thanks for that, Ron. I I don't think that that's going to be the case. Uh, I think Mike Dana was kind of a Brendan Daly outlier. Steve Spagnuolo has always gone longer, bigger, not necessarily super explosive type guys. I still expect him to lean on them early. Now, Brendan Daly obviously had some influence with the Mike Dana pick. It's very easy, very simple. It could have been, we're in day three. Who are some guys that we still like on our board that our coaching staff likes that are on our board? And Mike Dana was probably one of the guys that was very high up on their list. And so they took him. It ended up being a good move. Mike Dana looks like he's going to be a good base defensive end for this defense. Brendan Daly's already gotten a lot out of him as his defensive line coach. Steve Spagnolo feels very comfortable playing him in the base defense and playing him regularly enough. And he doesn't typically make mistakes or, you know, he's not typically out of position. That's what Spagnola wants. That's what Daly wants. I think he still wants those longer, more powerful guys that can still do that sort of thing. But maybe when we start getting into those later rounds of the draft, when guys like Dana, who are a little smaller than the NFL typically likes or less explosive than the NFL typically likes, that might be the type of guy that they select. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back with more of your questions right after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we are continuing to answer your questions. We're on the Twitter questions, and PM15 for President asks... You get one of these guys for the rest of their career. Jeff Okuda or Legarius Sneed? What an absolutely ridiculous question. I mean, one of these guys was drafted in the top 10 of the first round of an NFL draft for a reason, and he is absolutely not the answer. Give me Legarius Sneed for the rest of his career. <laughs> what Legarius Sneed has put on film as a rookie in the NFL is right up there, if not better than what Jeffrey Okuda put on the film as a college prospect at Ohio State. I'm not saying he's a better prospect if you go back and try to compare them, because he wasn't. It's pretty evident he was not. 
But Snead's rookie season in the NFL is more promising and better than what Akuda did at Ohio State his last season. And that's not a knock on Akuda. I still think he should have been a top 10 overall pick based on his film. It's just Legereus Snead has been that good for the Chiefs, being tasked with playing outside, getting injured, coming back, and then playing in the slot for the Kansas City Chiefs. He should be your defensive rookie of the year. TJ Watt should go cry into a pillow because I'm giving Legereus Snead the defensive player of the year award too because I have that power. Sorry, TJ. Shouldn't have <laughs> JJ as your brother. I uh, Listen, Legereus is awesome. I am very happy Legereus is on this team. Jeff Okuda had Matt Patricia, Daryl Bevel, and Steve Gregory out here not coaching him, clearly. Jeff Okuda looked like a husk of the player that he was like at Ohio State. Yeah, he does. Like I'm, This man has elite athleticism. He was a tier one C-bat. And it was, and it wasn't like he was a fringe one. He like he was one of the higher ones that I've ever put into the equation since 2010. Now you put him on the field against the Lions, and he looks like he's not moving anywhere close to how he was before. It looks like he doesn't know what the scheme is. I am putting that 100% on the Lions organization. If you put Jeff Okuda with Steve Spagnolo and Sam Madison. Ooh, buddy, I think you're talking about a completely different scenario. So this is me as the guy that did draft analyst stuff for the cornerbacks. I'm going Jeff Okuda. Maddie, really quick, where would you take Legereus Sneed in a redraft? I mean, clearly number one overall if he's the <laughs> defensive player of the year. I mean, I mean, I feel like Justin Herbert gets to go number one overall. I feel like Justin Jefferson gets to go two, Burrow three, but I mean, you know, you can maybe argue for some of those offensive tackles. They were good, but Legereus Sneed's probably got to be your first defensive player off the board, not named Chase Young, right? Like, I mean, Chase Young, just because of the potential, what other defensive player are you taking before Legereus Sneed based on what you've seen? And like, we're Chiefs fans. We've cheated because we've actually watched Legereus Sneed. Which other rookie defensive player had to learn how to play boundary corner after playing safety his final oh, year fair. in college? Got oh, that's injured, absolutely fair. Missed a month plus of football, came back and played an entirely new position on a shortened offseason where he had not a real full chance to get involved with the NFL offense. Like what he was asked to do is absolutely ludicrous, and he was arguably even better coming back from his injury than he was beforehand. I just think if you're redrafting, you have to weigh what they did in college and what they've done in the NFL right now. And for Snead, he's already kind of taken that jump from college to NFL, so I know what I'm getting there. I think mm -hmm. the ceiling's the limit from what we've seen. I would take him before anybody not named Chase Young on the defensive side of the ball in a redraft. You have no idea how much we're going to give Maddie crap about the fact that he just took Legereus Snead over his guy, Mekhi Becton. Like, <laughs> I said defensive side of the ball. I said you could argue. I know, those I know but you started to slot him in before Becton. I will say this. Do you know who? Uh, do you know who I would take Legereus Sneed ahead of? Damon Arnett, Isaiah Simmons, Gregory Mack asks with Baker's broken femur and with Ward as a restricted free agent and Bashad Breeland as an unrestricted free agent, not under contract beyond this year, is cornerback now a top priority this offseason with offensive line, defensive end, and wide receiver. Uh, Charvarius Ward's going to be back next year. Bashad Breeland can be had for cheap. 
I obviously I do think there was some reports out there that the Chiefs were hoping DeAndre Baker could compete for a starting spot. I think they have plenty of bodies there and interesting, capable bodies at the cornerback position, and there are solutions to bring hey, bring a guy back like Bashad Breeland back. They'll be just fine at the cornerback position. They've proved that they can hold up with limited assets invested. I don't think you need to go for a cornerback early. There might be some mid-round cornerback prospects that might be of interest. I think they just go take a stab at it with one of their eight picks or nine picks or whatever it winds up being. Yeah, it. I, th- I think like Kent said there, they got to add a body to the room, and I'm fine with them adding a body to the room, but I don't think it – we're now two years into the project of Steve Spagnolo and Sam Madison getting the absolute most – out of minimal investment at the cornerback position. And they've been able to find some gems. It's not hurt them whatsoever to this point. I mean, I think you see that the defense is built around the pass rush and having smart cornerbacks that know their assignment and keep a good shell on the back end with playmaking safeties. I think you can still do that without putting a significant investment into the cornerback position as much as I would love. I mean, I just got done saying that I want Jeff Okuda. As much as I would love to have a top-shelf cornerback, I think you just see that the philosophy is a little bit different for Steve Spagnuolo. So as long as he's the defensive coordinator, I think this is going to be more of the approach that you're going to see. Listen, all I've ever asked, I, I get it. When you're drafting in the 20s and the 30s, you can't get this elite cornerback draft prospect. I understand. You tried to trade for Jalen Ramsey. It didn't work out. Like It's really hard to get an elite cornerback on this roster over the years. All I've asked is you start putting some young, high-end talent in the hopper, and they had never done that. Well, now they have top five pick in an NFL redraft corner, Legereus Sneed sitting on the <laughs> roster. So talent is in the hopper. I mean, realistically, Charvarius Ward is fine enough to be a stopgap for one more season. You have Legereus Sneed across from him. I think Rashad Fenton, again, has played himself into the fact that if you have to play him, you don't feel terrible, but you want to try to improve on him. And then DeAndre Baker's the wild card. He's, again, talent in the room you have talent in the building with deandre baker he is as much as i didn't love him as a prospect he was still a top 100 type talent at the cornerback position he's coming back hopefully next year for the team they actually have young talent right now you have young guys that aren't just bo Pete keys that you're banking on showing a ton of development Hopefully he does. He's looked solid in the time we've seen him, but you're not just relying on late day three picks to make these massive jumps. You have real talent ready to go. You don't need to go spend a top 50, top 75 pick on the cornerback position right now. Captain Denny asks, call your shot. What underdog wins on wild card weekend? It doesn't have to be the AFC, by the way. I'm going to say either division. Call your shot. Cleveland Browns. And I know what's happening right now in Cleveland. At the time where we are recording this, the Cleveland Browns have shut down their facility again. And they are probably going to be missing Joel Batonio. They're probably missing a number of players this weekend. But that's how little I think of what Ben Roethlisberger is going (laughs) to do. I think he's going to be terrible. And I think that Baker Mayfield and that offense will be able to move the ball against that Steelers secondary. 
I think the Cleveland Browns hang on for a narrow victory. You're going to get one from both sides. You are going to get the Los Angeles Rams beating the Seattle Seahawks in the wildcard weekend because, well, I mean, Russell Wilson is still cooking and buddy, whoo, not cooking well right now. And on the AFC side, I don't know how this counts, so I'm sorry if this is yours, Camp, but it shouldn't count. That's why it's my second one. The Baltimore Ravens are going to wax the Tennessee Titans because the Titans are garbage on defense, and the Ravens have been playing relatively well lately. All right. I am going to go John Walford and the Los Angeles Rams against the Seattle Seahawks. I think the Seattle Seahawks offensively have looked bad on the back stretch of the season. Their offense has, or their defense has improved. It's taken some steps. I still don't think that they can rush the passer. I believe Jamal Adams mispracticed today. John Walford looked as good as Jared Goff does last week. The Los Angeles Rams. I'm rooting. I think I'm ro- I'm rooting for the Browns really hard though. Rooting for the Browns. Uh, because I that would what a story that would be. And actually, here's the question. Who are you rooting for this weekend, guys? Go and go all just do the whole AFC, because that's all that matters to us right now. Just do the AFC. Who are you rooting for this weekend? Oh, I mean, I want the Browns to win because I think if they go out and beat the Steelers with what they're going through right now, they will have blown their entire wad and then they would come to Kansas City and get destroyed. I don't think that would be a close game. Um, I would prefer the Titans to beat the Ravens. I don't want to have to see the Ravens again, not because I'm scared of them. I just think the Ravens don't need an extra chip to come play the Chiefs after getting beat down multiple times in a row. Like I don't want to have to deal with that as a Chiefs fan. And then finally, I mean, I guess I'm rooting for the Colts. Again, same thing. I want the easiest path to the playoffs possible. Give me the Colts over any other team in the entire playoffs to play, I think would be the best matchup for the Chiefs all around. Yeah, I don't want to play the – I really don't want to mess with the Ravens. I really just don't have any desire to mess with the Ravens, if I'm being honest. So Titans, Browns, and uh, and yeah, Colts. Let's just get all the good teams out. Uh, we are – I mean, one of the – like one of the top half seeds we are rooting for, though. I mean, that's that's new. Um. All right, the, I, <laughs> I'm gonna try to say this guy's Twitter handle correctly. Um, I I'm based on context. Derbert man, Derbertman. He's trying to say the Batman with the weird voice. Derbertman asks, are the Chiefs more likely to draft an X receiver or pick one up in free agency? With ro- rookie wide receivers not getting much run in Reed's offense and their history of signing Jason Avant. Uh, Jeremy Macklin and Sammy Watkins, it makes me think they'll go the free agency route. Uh, Okay, so here's what I think is going to happen. I think Sammy Watkins is coming back on a small deal, and I think they're going to draft someone in the top 100. They're going to likely have four picks in that top 100 range. I think the Chiefs are ultimately going to wind up making a pick uh, to grab another receiver. So you've got some young player in in the hopper, continue to throw you know, premium assets at the wide receiver position, get another pass catcher in here. And you've got Sammy Watkins for that stability. You've got playoff Sammy. Uh, I, I think that's the move. Dylan WD 13. Should the Chiefs try and incorporate some hurry up, no huddle offense in the playoffs? 
I mean, I, I think you can mix it in on some alternate drives just to keep some defensive coordinators on their toes. I think that you wear out defenses a little bit early by doing that, by not allowing them to switch. I don't know that it's necessarily a situation that the Chiefs want to keep doing as the game goes along because you certainly don't want to have some quick drives end or even if you're if you're scoring quickly I don't care but you have some quick ending drives the Kansas City Chiefs defense is going to get tired in a hurry and we're seeing as this is going along they've got some depleted spots on that side of the ball that I think that it would be nice to have a little bit more deliberate drives for some of them but yeah, you want to come out on like the second drive of the game and just go all, you know, hurry up. Hey, I'm, I'm all for it. Get Pat in that rhythm. Get that offense moving. Keep the defense on his toes. I think it's an Andy control thing. You don't see them <laughs> go to that route until they absolutely have to. Uh, and then it works. <laughs> but I do think it's a little bit of a level of control uh, with Andy. Aaron break one. This is very specifically for Matthew Lane. Will Byron Pringle get more snaps in the playoffs? I'm going to avoid going down the dark path here, but there's a couple receivers for the Chiefs that play significant snaps that are quite that quite commonly make very, 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 very bad mental errors in football games. And yeah, I think in the playoffs, if that trend continues, you might see Byron Pringle have a game or two games where his snap count kind of spikes because they're trying to avoid the mental errors from some other receivers that normally play over him. Now, will I be doing a dance in my living room as I watch him trot onto the field over both Demarcus Robinson and McCole Hardman? Absolutely. I don't think it'll be part of the game plan going into the game to put him out there. I just think there is a path. I do think he has shown enough, and you've seen it during the regular season. They will pull Robinson. They will pull Hardman if they start to make some of these mistakes. That's where Pringle gets back on the field. He's clearly healthy now from, you know, the injury in the latter half of the season. I think there is a good chance that you see him get onto the field more if that same trend of mental errors continues. Curl Scouts of USA, would Zach Ertz be a target for 2021? I know he's not an X, but big bodied, solid receiving option. I think if he's not in Philadelphia next year, I think he's a Colt. I think him and Carson Wentz are Colts. That's what I think is going to happen. D. Johnson, 29. Buffalo has been steamrolling teams the last month or so. Why won't it happen to the Chiefs? Because Buffalo has to play a quarterback. Look at who they've beaten. Look at the quarterbacks that they've beaten recently. Tua, who played arguably the worst game of his life. The Cam Newton, who is a shell of who he was this year. Drew Locke, Ben Roethlisberger, and then I can't even remember if that was a Jimmy Garoppolo 49ers team or who it was. Those are the last games. That's who everybody's trumpeting them as being, you know, so far above and beyond. They haven't played a good offense for a long time now. That's why the Chiefs are going to come in because they're going to be able to score points. They're going to force Buffalo to keep throwing, which, yes, I know what you're saying. Stefan Diggs is crazy dangerous and all of that. But that's what the Chiefs have done to a lot of these teams that get hot going into the playoffs, playing these cupcake-ish teams, running over them. The Chiefs come out, put a lead on them, force them out of their comfort zone because they haven't played from behind in weeks and weeks and weeks. And then all of a sudden they collapse, start making mistakes. I think that's what you'd see out of the Buffalo Bills. 
Timinda79, please help me understand why Andy Reid doesn't try replacing offensive line during the season except for injury when they're not clearly significantly better than those behind them. I know that people talk about offensive line continuity and familiarity, but it seems like there have been times when someone has needed to come in for injury and the continuity doesn't seem to take that much of a hit. So this is tricky because obviously from where I sit, I would be turning this offensive line over if I had control a little bit more often to see if something sticks and makes them play a little bit better. I don't like just sitting out there with what's clearly not working. That being said, I don't know if it's an Andy Reid decision as much as it's an Andy Heck decision. Not that I'm placing blame on him because I think the philosophy is this. When you're dealing with a lack of talent, which the Chiefs have at offensive line, they've invested very little into it compared to most NFL teams. So there's a lack of talent. The only way to overcome lack of talent is team cohesion. Something this Chiefs offensive line has been oddly good at this year compared to years past They've picked up blitzes and stunts relatively well. They've actually, it's no longer an Achilles heel like it was, you know, two years ago when if you just threw double stunts at the Chiefs offensive line, they fell apart. They've done a somewhat decent job with it, picking it up mentally, not the execution, but just knowing how to pick it up. They play relatively well with each other. You don't want to mix that up and throw in a guy that maybe gives you 4% more in terms of execution if it's going to mess up the cohesion that he has with either guy next to him. I think that's what they're going for. That's the only real reason I can come up with that you would not try to turn over a bunch of replaceable players throughout the season. Brandon422, favorite and least favorite game so far this year? My favorite game was the New Orleans Saints game. I feel like the defense played pretty well outside of the dime at the end of the game. I feel like the offense looked Okay, Patrick Mahomes took some major shots, but from the defensive perspective, that's a team that I expected to control the clock a little bit more, to be able to move the ball a little bit better than they did, especially early in the game. So I really like that one. And then least favorite, man, get both those Raiders games out of here. John John Gruden Super Bowls, and, and for whatever reason, the Chiefs couldn't put either one of those games, you know, fully away. What lost one of them? So I get that one out of here. For me, it was the uh, Baltimore Ravens game because NFL players rank Lamar Jackson as the best player in the NFL, apparently. And yeah, we saw how that went with the Chiefs went in there and uh, smoked the Ravens. So that was the favorite. My least favorite game was week 17 versus the Chargers because if I did not have to record a podcast about it afterwards, I would have turned it off in the second quarter. All of the Chiefs fun and young players already play. The guys that were playing in the second half of that game was not fun. I was counting the minutes until it was over. And then guys (laughs) that I liked got hurt. Least favorite game by a very, very, very big margin. I think low-key one of the worst games of the year and one of my least favorite games of the year was the Panthers game. Just like the Chiefs had no interest in being there. (laughs) it It was gross. The Ravens game was fun because it shut so many people up. And, uh, I mean, that was a real big win. I mean, the Chiefs sneakily have some massive wins this season. Just the first half of the Buccaneers game was a whole lot of fun, too. Yeah, it was really fun. Tyreek Hill got to see man coverage without safety help over the top for like a quarter, and we saw what happens. It was awesome. That's true. That one was fun. The Ravens game, the Chiefs got up, what, 17 on the Ravens? Was that the Mahomes count game? 
I can't remember. I don't. It, I. It's not worth looking up. Fan slightly. We know you guys like Chris Olave, but who is your least favorite top 100 wide receiver? Any wide receiver listed by his college at under 5'11". I don't need another slot receiver on this football <laughs> team. Like, I don't even need a massive guy. I love Chris Olave. I love Tylen Wallace. But, like, they're at least got a prayer to show up at 5'11 into the NFL. Maybe they can play on the line of scrimmage. You can get Rondale Moore, Kadarius Toney all the way out of my mentions. I don't need another half running back, half receiver just to manufacture touches for. Yeah, I I was gonna say Kadarius Tony as well, just because the, the Chiefs have that style of receiver on the offense in in spades. Like they've got that guy twice already. They don't need a third one of them. They need a guy that's a little more refined with his route running. Kadarius Tony's not a bad receiver, just not a guy that I want the Chiefs to go out and get to complement the guys that they already have. Todd McShay had Elijah Moore 26th on his board. I can't I can't do it. I can't do it. The Chiefs call Elijah Moore on, on at 32. I don't think I'll be very happy. Uh Max Arquilla. What is our biggest issue going into the postseason on offense and defense? Well, on offense, it's protecting Patrick Mahomes. And on defense, it's getting to the quarterback. It's two sides of the same coin. It's as simple as that. We've seen it throughout the end of the season here. It was good to see the pass rush picking it up a little bit towards the end of the year. I know some people are going to argue for linebacker and all that. Maybe one of these guys is as well. But honestly, this team is built to rush the passer with the way that they've allocated their assets. So they they just have to take that next step up. Continue what they've got going the past couple weeks. Take that step up in the playoffs. Offensively, it is 60 minutes of complete football. And that's a really bad cop-out. I said it earlier, but it's just playing consistent football and playing to their ability for 60 minutes and not getting bored and Andy not sitting on the... I Defensively, I think handling athletic quarterbacks. I think Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, a couple of those guys I think are two two guys that can really hurt this football team. Ryan Tannehill to some level. Uh, hailing athletic quarterbacks. I think that's the thing like I'm most worried about is, you know, is Ben Neiman going to tackle? Is the Chiefs, are the Chiefs going to be chasing, you know, Lamar Jackson down the sidelines? Is John, is, is Josh Allen going to, you know, truck Willie Gay or, or Anthony Hitchens? I'm, I'm worried about the athletic quarterbacks and if these guys can handle them athletically, especially at the second level of the defense. So for me, offensively you I mean yeah you could point to the interior offensive line and their complete inability to pass block you could even say the same about the tackles at times this year you could point to some the lack of second wide receiver to get open and stuff like that but really and can't kind of alluded to it it's just caring as long as the offense cares <laughs> no one's gonna stop them we've seen that when they care when they come out and really try and this goes from players to coaches coaches too when they actually want to show up, they show up and do whatever they want. Off That's offensively. Defensively, there's only one massive glaring issue for this football team. It's that Patrick LeVon Mahomes only plays on offense. <laughs> Mic drop. That's going to do it for the AP Laboratory Mailbag. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back later this week with the AP Draft Show. Catch you later. 
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.